Praise and Worship is a community of people in Branson, Missouri, who are gathering, growing, being encouraged, and sharing with others the love and hope of Jesus. Learn more online at branson.church. So we've been having this conversation as we go through the Gospel of Mark, and it has to do with the business of religion. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if somebody's like, can we just move on from that? Because that's getting kind of stale. But the problem is Jesus isn't moving on from it. And I have this kind of weird thing. I think we should go and read all of the scripture. We should read it all. And, and, and let him continue to confront our assumptions. Because our assumptions sometimes create this sort of visualization, the way we see things, right? Um, have you ever had this happen where you were, you were expecting one thing, and then you got something else. So, so I have to tell you, I was very concerned when I first went to seminary because I had no idea what to expect. And I was very concerned about this. And so I had this expectation that people who were going to be pastors were all of a certain kind of ilk. You know, they were all, and, I, and of course, what I had done, not realizing, is I had taken my childhood pastor and created this sort of persona category, and, and, and then that was what I thought all pastors would be like. And so we get to seminary, and, and we get there, it's in the heat of the summer, late August, and it's like a zillion degrees, where we unload our truck, and these people start showing up to help us unload the, the trailer. And, and the first one comes, and his name is Andrew. He's now a pastor in Springfield, so sometimes you get to see Pastor Bartholomew up there. And he's like, he, he's like this guy, and he's all joyful and helping us and everything. And then this other guy comes up, and um, his, he, he's this kind of, kind of more quiet, solemn like. And then this other guy comes up, he's like, a, he's like an Amway salesman, you know? He's just like, let's, let's do this, you know? And then this other guy comes up, he's got tattoos all of him, he's got big gauges in his ears, he's like a biker dude or whatever you would categorize that as. And, and I mean, and there's just all these people, and we're all just unloading the car, and, and I didn't know who any of them were because they're just showing up, double, and we're unloading the car, and, and I'm asking them, like, hey, so, you know, I'm breaching, I was like, thanks so much for helping, what's your name? And they're telling me their name, and, and, and we're talking, and, and I realize all of these people are st- seminary students, and, and the more I met as, as the days un, unfolded is every single category of person that you've ever met in your life was there. Like every kind, everything from the quietest little bookworm to the big bodacious guy that doesn't understand any social cues, they're all there and everyone in between, right? Everyone in between. And, and what, so it's very strange because I expected one thing and then I quickly realized, I'm like, oh my goodness, I now had a perspective I didn't have. And you know what that perspective was? The Lord is sending out workers into the harvest and he knows that there are different fields with different kinds of people in them. So he's bringing every kind of people to send them to wherever they need to be to take care of the people in all of the fields. This is is the way his heart is for you and for me is that he will raise up every kind of person because he made us the way that we are. Now, you know, we all have our failures and we'll talk about that, but he made us the way that we are. And he made us that way for a purpose, for a plan to give us what we need when we need it so that we can take what we've been given and share it with one another. And he is interested, get this guys, he is interested in people, not things. And so it's, I had another experience at seminary, and I have to share it. So it was the first time we went to chapel service. Now, by this time, I was all excited and joyous because I was like, wow, the Lord is awesome. He's doing all this thing. And then we go to this chapel service, and the chapel service had so many things that I didn't even know what to do. Like, I'm talking about you had to do certain things 
in the service. And I was not exposed to them. I didn't grow up in that kind of worship style. And so I was very much like, I don't belong here. And so what happens is, is I became, became very like, you know, I'm just sort of backpedaling. You know, I'm like looking for the back door of the chapel and how to sleep slip out. And I would not, I would not want to indicate that I never did um, slip out the back, because I did from time to time. But the Lord was gracious even in that situation and continued to help and continue to guide me and to un- help me understand. But one of the things that humans always struggle with, all humans, whether we're, we love the things or don't love the things, whether we, our expectations are being met or they aren't, is we think we're right. Have you ever noticed that you're always right? I've, I've found that I am just right all the time. And I mean, now I discover I'm, I'm mistaken sometimes, but that was just because somebody didn't tell me the right thing or whatever. You know how this goes. We all feel that we're right. And so when you put together our expectations combined with the fact that we're always right, you know what you have? You have a very broken humanity. <laughs> you have a very broken world. And you guys know this. You live in this. This is our, this is our daily life. So we're going to take a look at our first scripture this morning, and it is from Mark chapter 2, and it is verse 18. And so what I want us to do is I want us to take a look at a few of these scriptures to dig in and see what's going on. Notice here it says, why aren't they doing the things? Now, as usual with religion, and again, we're using the word religion here in a specific way, not just a random belief in God or whatever, but religion in a certain set of things that you must do to make God happy. And you'll find the more you read the Bible, the more you encounter Jesus, he's not interested in any of that, right? And so what's very interesting is, is it says there, look at this, it says some people came and asked Jesus. They came and they asked them, Why, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? How is that? And so, so they're, they're expecting, they had a set of expectations, you know. If you have the festival, they were in a particular festival where you fast. So Jesus is like supposed to be this Messiah dude. He is the son of, he called himself the son of man last week when he healed the paralytic. What, why wouldn't he feast during a festival if he is who he says he is that he actually invented, right? Why wouldn't he participate in that? And this is a very question. And this is what we, why aren't they doing the things? Now what happens is people will come, it's very interesting, I get lots of phone calls about praise and worship. There aren't a lot of Lutheran churches named Praise and Worship. In fact, this is the only one in the world with that name, and I kind of think that's cool. And so what happens is is people will call because they don't know what to expect. And they'll be like, so are you a Missouri Synod church? And I'm like, well, yeah, um, yeah, that's fine. Well, but, but what kind of church are you? I'm like, very focused on Jesus. And then they're always just like, well, what? they're wanting to know why aren't we doing the things? That's what they're, they're like, we expect certain things, whatever those are. You know, and, and it starts right off with, you don't meet in a church. I know, we're building the church right here. We're also, there's a building being built over there. But right here is where the church is being built. You guys track with me, right? You follow me. And so what happens is, is there's this expectation, where are the things? There's no church building. There's none of these traditional things that we expect to see. Mark's not wearing his alb. And, you know, everything's just not the way we expect it. And sometimes that's, there's, I don't know, if you there's people who have seen me wear an alb. It happens, right? Take a picture. It's very rare. And so what happens is we do what we do because we have a mission. Right? We don't want to, this is going to be sound a little, be careful. I want you to hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. Jesus didn't say, go therefore and make Lutherans. You tracking with me? 
He said, go therefore and make disciples. Now, does that mean a Lutheran isn't a disciple? No, I didn't say that. But when our focus is on our faith tradition, our history, and those kinds of things, we're focused on the things. We're not focused on the people. There is not one thing wrong with those things. They're wonderful things. Most of them come directly from God. There's a few, like my grandma's green bean casserole. I don't know if that came from God. But there's most of the things, right? I'm just kidding. Um, actually, my grandma never made that, but other people's did. And so, so there's, there, there, there's nothing wrong with the things. The problem is when we get too focused on them. It's kind of like this. If you went to the store and you bought the best ice cream that the store had to offer. You know, I'm talking the good stuff, not the cheapy, you know, on sale. I'm talking the stuff you would never normally buy, right? Do you take it home and put it on the counter and just marvel at its container? Do you think that, my goodness, they put a better handle on that baby than anybody I've ever seen with, a, with an ice cream container? Do you sit there and look at the marvelous artwork on there? Some of us would look at it at least a little bit, right? But, but the idea is, what are you after? <laughs> at some point, you want to get the contents. You want to get the actual stuff that we're here to get, not the things that hold the stuff or that carry the stuff. Those containers are important. If you don't have a container with ice cream, you're going to have a mess on your hands. So we see this, but why aren't they doing the things? There's a specific set of things they were supposed to be doing, I thought. Let's take a look at the next verse. Going down into verse 19, where it says, Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so as long as they have him with them. Now what's really interesting is, remember who he's talking to. He's not talking to the crowds. He's not talking to even the disciples. He's talking to the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. These were supposed to be the guys that knew their Bibles inside and out. And he throws at them a big hyperlink. Now, we always love to use that language here because everybody in this room in the year 2020, I think knows what a hyperlink is. It's when you're on your phone or your computer or some other device like that and you tap something and it opens something up. It takes you somewhere. It gives you more information depending on what you're clicking on. And that's what's going on right here. He has taken us all the way back to Isaiah 61 and 62, specifically 62. Now, Isaiah 62, there's this really interesting poem that the prophet Isaiah pours out, and he's talking about the day when the bridegroom shall come to, to, to purchase what is needed for his bride and to provide everything that is needed so that the bride is, the, is saved and is delivered unto a life everlasting. This is what's going on in the poem of Isaiah 62, but it's couched right in between Isaiah 61 and 63 and all the way to 65 and 6 where you have this continuous drumbeat of the promises of God coming for the new heavens and the new earth. Jesus is saying the new heavens and the new earth, earth are beginning. They're now. We're not here to fast. There's times for fasting, he quickly points out. This ain't it. Not right now. Not this moment. Because now something new is happening. Now something new is happening. And so what happens is, is with the bridegroom comes this sort of new time. And then, and then what's interesting is if you were, if you were present there, they're going to suddenly be like, that whole section, because they weren't, they didn't have Bible verses, like you and I have Bible, like we have 62, they didn't have 62. They just had like, oh, that part where Isaiah was talking about the new heavens and the new earth. Mm -hmm. 
that part where he was talking about the bridegroom. Yeah, that's how they remembered it. And so what would happen then is they're also bringing in this whole business in Isaiah 61, which is that when the Messiah would come, he would proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Translation another way, the year of Jubilee. Not just the 50th year that happened every seven sevens of seven sevens. We're talking about the year, the never-ending year, the year when the prisoners would indeed be set free, when you and I would be set free. Now, you're, and it's just like what we saw in the Bible Project video. You're like, yeah, but Mark, I don't feel very free sometimes. You know, I got the, I got the bank calling, I got work calling, I got the school calling, I got my teacher bugging me, their text, people text me, they're bugging me. I don't feel free. Keep listening to what Jesus has to say. Take a look at the next passage. We're going to be in Mark chapter 2, verse 24, because here's what happens. He says, he said, or the Pharisees, I should say, said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So now they're mad again. More things that they're not doing. And so he's, he, there's this question, why are they not doing what, it, why are they doing rather what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So again, remember, what is the Sabbath? Seventh day of the week. Just like when God created the earth, it's a day off, right? It's a day of rest. It's a day when the Lord took a step back and he looked and he saw, right? He, he, he pondered everything. And, and then, just as we saw, he then wanted his people to have that same pattern in his life. Because the day of rest is this day when we see the work of God, when we, when we hear the work of God. And, and yes, it's day of rest. But what was interesting in their thing is they're like, well, we want to make sure we obey the law. Remember when we didn't obey the law, we got sent into exile, so we need to create a pattern so that we never, don't, we never break the law. So they created a list of what is rest and what is work. And it was a very long and comprehensive list. It included the number of steps you could walk in that, on that day. And they would go so far as to tie a rope around their waist to limit that distance so that you didn't go too far. And so they, they continuously developed all these little patterns and rules and systems. And that included when you would walk through a field and you would reach down and pop out those little heads of grain, the gleaning of the, of the, of the wheat. Unlawful unlawful. Look what Jesus says. He answered verse 25. Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? Interesting thing. So he's once again speaking to Bible nerds. Like, haven't you read your Bibles? And what's so you guys remember that? Because in this scene, and this scene takes place in 1 Samuel chapter 21, and this scene is where, where David is on a mission from King Saul, and they're, but he needs to feed his troops. Like him and his crew, they need, some, they need some bread. And so what happens is they go in, and they talk to the priests, and they work it out, and they eat the, they eat the consecrated bread. Like, that's not religiously kosher, pun intended. I mean, it just, it, it, like, how can you do that? And so th this is what's going on. And what's happening here is Jesus is shifting the focus from the things to the people. Because even in the context of the old covenant, which is where David was, even in the context of the old covenant, the law wasn't about those little, little, the letter of the law, if you'll allow that language. It's always been about the spirit of the law. And what is the spirit of the law about? People. Always about people. Even in the context of the old covenant, that has never changed. And so then what happens is, is then 
we see what pops up in verse 27 here and take a look at, um, at this. Look at what he says. He goes, then, in verse 27, then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, what's really interesting is when we read something like that, we're kind of like, well, like, hmm, what is that? I mean, we, do you ever just sit there? I remember as a kid that I heard a sermon. I, was, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that, what does it mean to man? Because I didn't, it just, these are words we don't use. I want you to think of it very clearly as an example. If you went to a place of worship, if you were to enter into a place where people are gathered because Jesus is risen from the dead, are you there to bless that place or is that place there to bless you? You, track, you tracking with me? Do you see? That's a, that's a Mark, Matt Chandler kind of thing. It's this, high, this whole thing is about getting this all out of whack, getting the focus on the wrong things. And the reason we all struggle with this, I'm not saying they struggle, they struggle with it and we don't. Are you kidding me? We all struggle with this because we have sin in our bodies. We have the struggle of our frustrations and our burdens in life, and we're not rest, well-rested. Anybody here well-rested? Because eh, probably not. Some of us are, but most of us are struggling just to get through life, right? We always tell the joke, I'm just trying to figure out how to put my pants on and pay the mortgage, right? That's where we're at in life. And what's going on here is he's saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> don't, make, don't make the worship of God, the rest, into a new burden. It was given to you so that you would rest. And now we've turned the gospel into the law. And guys, all of us struggle with this, whether we're in any kind of church, any faith tradition, whatever. We, we, we lose track of what is the main thing. And the old, the old cliche from the 80s, keep the main thing the main thing, right? It's still true because Jesus was the one who invented that, not, not the business leaders. And this idea of the focus is, so the Son of Man is Lord, <laughs> even of the Sabbath, which is kind of a, you know, I was wondering, did he smile when he said that? He's like, I'm the one who came up with this thing. You know, I, this isn't, don't talk to me about religious practices. Talk to me about people's hearts. This is what's going on. And then there's that passage that we have to keep held together with it. Is this is the, this is what we write in our hearts when we want to define rest. We were, uh, as a music team, when we first got started, we were talking about how often we like to practice and all the different things that we were going to do with the music team. And, and um, I kept struggling with this because I'm like, I, how, do we, how do we maintain the fact that Jesus wants us to come here and rest? Right? He wants, don't make church into a burden. Don't make the act of worshiping God into this heavy laden thing and then it's so funny because like this morning i'm running around because we're having glitches and things i'm like oh maybe i should listen to that again you see how we it's so easy to just to slip out of that it's so easy to miss that to lose that and i want you to hear it once again so jesus said he goes look at this he goes come to me all you who have your stuff together right we have to we have to highlight this distinction all you who are ready you're finally reformed your life you're properly repentant you know, this is the other thing. You know, how, 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 how repentant are you? You know, once you've got it all together and, you're, and, you're, and you've got energy and you've got strength, you've, you've picked yourself up by the bootstraps and now you're ready. That isn't what he's saying. If you've ever heard the prodigal, the, excuse me, the parable of the prodigal son, which I always love to rename as the, prodigal, the parable of the two sons because there's two sons in that story. But... 
what was the thing going on? The, the younger son didn't do it right. He didn't do it right. But the father was longing for him to come home. And when he did come home, he expected, it was his expectations, he expected to be in trouble, to be chastised, to be criticized, and then to be like, he's, but he's thinking, I'll take all of that because if I can just be like one of the hired hands, if I can just come and work, then I'll at least have something to eat. But instead, the father's like, grab a robe, put a ring on his finger, make preparations for a party. Because my son, not not the sinner, not the one who failed, not the one who didn't do the things, my son who was lost is now found. My son who was dead is now alive. I want you to know that every time you come to worship, whether it's in this location or countless others, where people who follow Jesus of every tribe and tongue and every denomination and faith tradition and all that stuff, wherever the people of Jesus gather, the father is like, my child is home. Please hear that and rest in his arms with me. Please pray with me as we ask him to give us that. Father, help us rest in your arms to believe the good news, to receive what you have so powerfully given to us, which is not to categorize us or criticize us or just or, you know, judge us or any of those things, even though you have the right to do all of that. You simply love us. You sent the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of rest, who said, come to me, you who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. My prayer is that every single one of us who hears that will rest. That every one of us who hears that will believe once again the promise of your salvation. That we will believe that the bridegroom has indeed come and started something very new. That we would learn to somehow grow to believe that Easter Sunday was the eighth day of creation the beginning of the new creation, which is why we worship on Sundays. And that we will not look at our, our days of rest as, oops, I did too much work, or oops, I shouldn't have done that, or well, I didn't do it right. But that we would look at our whole lives as the gift of a father who welcomes us into resting arms. And that we would breathe easy whenever the calamities come and whenever the jobs seem too big. And we would cry out to you once again, and we would give our burdens and our weariness to you, the Lord of rest, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.